1: All right, guys, welcome to the Week 15 edition of the Bankroll Challenge live build. I have reeled in a big guest, a busy guest, a man who will be competing in the Fantasy Football World Championships this weekend. You know him from the website Establish the Run, recently mid-season addition to their podcast circuit. I've enjoyed watching his Bankroll Challenge reviews as well. Andrew Wiggins, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is uh this like I was saying to you earlier, I didn't even know what you look like until I saw your thumbnail. I feel like we both got the nice blonde hair going. Are you uh Norwegian, Scandinavian descent? What do we got over there? Uh,
2: mostly German actually, but German. I, yeah. I, I studied abroad in Holland and everybody thought I was a local. So I can kind of get away with anything up there.
1: Yeah, that's when I was in Spain and I studied abroad. People forget I studied abroad in Spain, JJ Arthega Whiteside. Uh but then I I went I stuck out like a sore thumb but then I went to Sweden for one of my spring breaks and it was nice to have people talk to me in Swedish thinking I was a local Yeah. Um, all right first of all how are you preparing for the FFWC because you have one bullet you normally I assume play you know on Fanduel, DK different lineups, cash are you focusing in on this one lineup or is it just a normal week for you?
2: Yeah I'm I'm not going to be playing a ton on FanDuel this week. I think what I'm going to do on FanDuel is actually just multi-enter their $250 tournament. So I'm not messing with cash there this week, not really messing with any of the leagues, mostly trying to focus on DraftKings. I'm not doing a whole lot different, but it's definitely a little bit more of a GPP mindset this week. And so I've been spending more time just kind of thinking about ownership and what plays are going to be best in that tournament. You know, it's only 180-man tournament, so it's not like you got to get crazy. And oftentimes the ownership is tough to predict in these things Uh, because people, they like to get a little bit cute. So I'm just trying to figure out what's going to be a a highly projected team that maybe is a little bit off the board, but nothing too crazy.
1: Nice. So would you say your process kind of starts with looking at those cash game optimals and then seeing, you know, what are some of the tweaks I need to do to give myself some leverage?
2: That's my favorite way to make tournament teams, especially in in a game like this where it's only 180 people. I'll try and find, okay, who are the guys that are projecting well that you could maybe consider in a cash game, but maybe there's a little bit too much risk there, a little bit too much variance with their output. So it's kind of looking at the second tier values that you wouldn't necessarily put in your cash lineup. But like I said, it's still high output as far as what the medium outcome would be. Um, you know, And then you're looking for the guys that hopefully have even higher end of that spectrum where you, know, you could get that massive spike game from them.
1: Like as just a thought experiment, if say you just put in your optimal cash lineup into this, Contest. What would you think would be the odds, even saying it hits like the upper range of its outcomes, what do you think the odds would be to take first place in a 180 live final with a cash optimal?
2: Well, I think it depends somewhat on the week. I know last week I do a cash game review video on Establish a Run where I just look back at the team that I made the previous week and I also will look at what some of the other best players did. And one of the guys I look at week in and week out is Make It Rain. DraftKings and his cash team last week actually finished first in all the 50 fifties. And there's nothing too off the board there. I think it was like a two V two off what I ran. Uh, he played Freeman instead of Kamara. So maybe that was a little, you know, that's the type of thing you're looking for. You know, that Kamara, he, you knew he was going to be extremely heavily on last week. Freeman was a little bit dicier. You probably didn't want to go him over Freeman and cash. At least I didn't. I played for paid up for Kamara, but that's a great tournament play. And and he ended up beating Kamara by quite a bit. So, um, Man, I don't know. It, it depends how chalky guys are, how risky they are. You got a guy like Patrick Laird this week. <laughs> Uh-oh.
1: Man, oh, man. Be, you know, know. Now you know how to speak my language, Peter. I mean, Andrew. Yes, sir.
2: Uh, he's going to be one of the heavy stone guys, you know, so I think there are some clean pivots off him. And that's the type of thing you're looking at, like maybe a Kenyon Drake instead of Patrick Laird. He's $5, $100 more. I think projected for a pretty similar output but he's going to come in at way less ownership. So that's what I'm trying to do with these teams. Nothing crazy, but just get guys that are maybe slightly less projection and way less ownership.
1: Well, I didn't want to get into all the Laird stuff right away, but I will give you a piece of intel about one of your opponents, and perhaps you could extrapolate this for the contest. So I was messaging with Bales the other day because he was joking around how much for me to play Laird in my FFWC team. And I said to him, he's a legitimately good play this week. And he's he was uh, questioning me. He, he made me. Bales made me give him three good reasons why he was a good play. I literally think, Andrew, I think there is going to be a backlash to the Patrick Laird bit ownership discount, especially at the higher stakes. I really think even sharp people are like, I can't play this guy. I, do you think there's some merit to that?
2: I do not. I think he's going to be maybe the highest-owned player on the slate. I really do. I mean, he's getting so much work, and it's a good matchup, and his price is just cheap. So the price compared to what you, the, the amount of times you expect him to touch the ball in a good matchup. And and now Devontae Parker is trending towards playing, which I think is actually pretty big. Um, we saw their offense really sputter out last week, and, and I think a big part of that was because Parker didn't play. So if he plays, to me, that's, that's a nice upgrade to Laird. And Albert Wilson, too. I mean, he's not a huge impact. But if all those guys are out there, you got to like that offense against New York. And you know, if you can find the end zone for 4,500, you're, you're sitting pretty.
1: Yeah. And I mean, last week, everyone was kind of worried Zenner was going to come and get carries. They waived Zenner. I, I think Miles Gaskin is still banged up. I, I really don't know who else is going to touch the ball. I assume he'll get all the goal line work. He's catching passes. So you don't have to sell me on Patrick Laird, but maybe you need <laughs> to sell yourself on, uh, on Patrick Laird. Um, yeah, what I mean, are th- I'm I'm probably not going to play him, but we'll see. All right. I guess you don't like $2 million. What does second get Andrew? Second is second a million. Second a million? All right. You can I'm get a million. Plenty, plenty happy with second place. All right. Uh, so when you are, um, we were, I was talking about this last week with Josh ADHD. And one of the things I've been trying to do is kind of like marry the stuff of looking at the, the optimals and the quote unquote best plays, but also trying to target the game environments. I like a lot. Do you, do you look at some of the, you know, I, I like reading Thorman's article on ETR looking at the pace and that a lot of times will help me narrow in on a game environment. I like, how do you kind of marry those two things of obviously totals is something else everyone likes to look at? Yeah, I do like to find games to
2: target and then oftentimes stack those games because you're just looking for that back and forth. And, you know, I think it worked better a year or two ago when when less people are doing it. Now it's almost like in the student thing that you have to game stack. So sometimes maybe you're better off, especially if the options on the other side aren't that appealing. Just playing one side, I think that's fine. Yeah. So it depends on the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you can find – well, like, look, I mean, I think one game that could definitely go back and forth this week that might not catch that much ownership – I don't have a good handle on all the ownership yet. Looking forward to doing the show tonight with Evan and Adam to kind of see where they're at with, with certain guys. But I think the Dallas game could definitely go off. I mean, those are two super fast-paced teams. The defenses are pretty decent, and we've got the golf on the road problem. But nonetheless, I mean, would it surprise you at all if that just turned into a super high-scoring affair?
1: No, not at all. And it's funny you say that because one of the builds I've been looking at really closely is I had wanted to play Dak to one of the receivers and, and bring it back with Gurley. You know, I'm looking at I was looking at Cardi's blitz earlier, and none of the um, those guys were projecting well um, in the blitz, which was I guess giving me a little cause for concern. But I also really like that game environment. Another kind of you know. Sp- piggybacking on that thinking about say Gallup and Amari one of the big things I think we wrestle with this year is say we like a game environment say we like an offense then knowing which receiver to choose I'm also dealing with this with the Giants like I like Darius Slayton and Shepard a good bit and it's like when the prices are similar enough or the ownership is similar how are you breaking ties um on these guys on the same team
2: well, I think generally you want to take the guy that's less zone. You know, another one this week too would be Odell versus yeah. Landry. Um, the Gallup one. Now here's an interesting thing with projections that I think occurs is that most of the time they're not really taking into consideration individual cornerback matchups. And I think most of the time that is the correct thing to do with a few exceptions. And I am very worried about Ramsey shadowing Amari. So I think that we could very, likely see a couple targets that would normally go to Amari here, shift over to Gallup. So that would lead me to believe that Gallup is probably slightly under-projected. So even if he's not coming up great in projections, I do think he's a pretty good play. I think he's a pretty clean stack with Amari. I mean, I mean with Dak, you're not overly concerned about Witten. Of course, he had to go and score that touchdown on Thanksgiving when he was chalked, but other than that, he hadn't done much. Uh, and then on the other side, it kind of seems like Woods has emerged there. So I think you can kind of get to the players in this game that seem most likely To have the best output, but if you want to get a little bit tricky, and certainly in in bigger games than the one I'm playing, you know, like in the Millie Maker, I'd be a lot more open to playing someone like Cooper Cup. We have real concerns about his snap rate, but you need to get more off the board. and And if he goes back to playing close to what we saw him playing the entire season, he could be a phenomenal play. I think just maybe a little bit thin in a game that's only got 180 people in it.
1: Yeah, the um, those are always the interesting situations with the moving parts of it. I don't know. Have we heard any news about if Everett's going to be back for the Rams yet?
2: I believe he's out for sure.
1: He is out for sure. Okay, so, think so. that definitely locks in Higby as a really good play. Um, And then, yeah, you're definitely – it seems like Cooks has just been really relegated, but it does seem like Cup could be in for a bounce back and a nice tournament option there. Um, All right. A few housekeeping things before I forget. Uh, First of all, Roto Grinders has a a free roll tonight for Yahoo. It's the 150 max uh, free roll. So you can literally go to lineup HQ, which is free tonight. You can do your build rules, spit out 150 lineups, get that CSV, upload it for free, and finally prove to all those big-time touts out there with the big bankrolls like Andrew Wiggins that you can hang with the big boys in the 150 max. So uh, don't let that opportunity slide by. Also, uh, the Bankroll Challenge League, I posted a link to it in the YouTube comments. Uh, I believe I set it for 150 people. Uh, I think there's a decent amount of spots left. So if you want to come at me, who, by the way, finished second out of 100 people last week in my own challenge – can come and try to dethrone me because clearly mm-hmm. I need to be knocked off my high horse. I will give anyone a million dollars if I don't have Patrick Laird in that lineup uh, on Sunday. <laughs> uh, I think that is it. Oh, also smash the subscribe button. Smash it, smash it, smash it. Okay, all right. So let's talk single entry. Andrew, I have been playing the spy this season. Um, it started out very rough, as you can see here. And I tell you, without any irony, that when Patrick Laird came into my life, I started winning. It all started with the head-to-head GPP. The two points were the difference. I didn't play him in week 13, although he did get into the end zone that week, but still he was in my life. And then last week, I 6X'd Andrew. I mean, can you just give a shout-out to me for 6X'ing the spy? Love it. Thank you. That's what dreams are made of, man. So now we head on to week 15. And if I mean, you know, math, 200, 250, 600. This is like an exponential log curve. I mean, we're getting top five finished this week, right?
2: I think that's the only way to look at it.
1: Okay. All right. So we are, we're in agreement on that. What, um so the SPY is generally 3,333 people, uh, obviously a bit bigger than um, your contest this week. If you are looking, let's just say purely at, the contest size, the single entry, $100 buy-in, what are the first things that you're thinking about as far as like, how are my opponents going to play? You know, should I be shooting for first since it is still a little top heavy with the prize money? How, how would you just go about thinking of it purely from a game selection standpoint?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm always shooting for first in these tournaments, even if it's a flatter payout, it's, you still need to get those first place finishes to make your numbers look good over time. Uh, As far as the ownership, I'm not, you'd have to tell me in a hundred dollar game, I would expect the ownership to be fairly sharp. You know, I'll I'll usually compare like the millimaker maker ownership to maybe the $3,000 game on DraftKings. And you can see some pretty big gaps as far as the way that the public reacts to certain plays. So where would you say the hundred probably falls closer to high stakes or to like a millimaker maker type ownership?
1: I think definitely in between the one thing I've noticed is I would say um, on the non like super popular guys at Hughes closer to the Millie, but say the projected, like, you know, the week it was the Watson to fuller week when everyone, it was like a 10% premium on those guys. So I noticed the very popular guys get extremely like last week, Bilal Powell was 50%. I want to say in the spy. So, yeah. Well,
2: you know, so you expect at the higher stakes for just guys to cluster around good plays more. And then sometimes uh, like the obvious GPP plays, like I remember it was like week eight or something. And Jared Goff was coming off of like the worst game of his career. And then he went to Atlanta and somehow he turned up as the highest, maybe one of the highest home quarterbacks I've ever seen in a tournament ever. And I'm not, I don't think that quite happened in the million maker, but in the three K it did. I mean, it was just absolutely bizarre. He was like 25% on. So sometimes the higher stakes, you got to watch these, what you think are sneaky stacks that would probably play really well in the millimaker Maker. Uh, the pros will just get all over them. And before you know it, it becomes chalk. And then you're sitting there saying, well, geez, uh, the best plays actually ended up being the lower-owned guys. I wish I had just played the chalky plays. And that's honestly been a bit of a theme, I think, throughout this entire season because people as a whole are just getting a lot smarter. And so there's a lot of good information being put out there. People are saying so-and-so is a good GPP play. And then you'll, you'll have guys that you thought maybe on Monday or Tuesday are going to be super chalky, end up being contrarian. And those are the best plays anyway. So kind of as the season has evolved, I've maybe trended a little bit more towards just playing the guys that I think are the best plays. And just mostly because I've had trouble projecting ownership this year. So it's like, I don't feel comfortable about where a guy's going to come in. I might as well have the play that I feel comfortable with this production. Uh, you know, and then you're not sitting there all pissed off on Sunday night because the play that you really love went off and you didn't have him.
1: Yeah. I, I've mentioned this recently for me that early in the season, like I loved looking at ownership percentages. Like it was people, normal people do research and then, you know, maybe check in on them. I would like pull up the ownership percentages. My first thing, start crossing guys off the list too chalky, whatever. And uh surprise, surprise, I was having awful, awful results. And I have, I mean, God bless all of our brothers out there doing the ownership projections. They're doing the Laird's work, but I, kind of like doing it by feel now you know listening to some podcasts checking out twitter and then just kind of feeling it out and it's just helped me to be less knee-jerk reflexively get off a of play just because I think it's going to be super popular
2: yeah well like you know we will keep keeping with the layered theme I think he's a guy that really will be higher owned in high stakes because the Miami running backs have done nothing all year and people are probably aware of that of, of how bad the team is, and nobody knows who Patrick Laird is unless they're in your little bubble here. So I don't think the average guy coming on to play the millie maker is going to want to click on him. Yeah, and and you know, like four or five, I mean, it's kind of high for a Miami running back. I mean, we weren't playing Kenyon Drake at four or five earlier in the season. Now, granted, he was splitting touches and stuff, but I just don't know if people realize that he's like legit a workhorse back now, and that should. Be, be reflected in his ownership. But the but the pros are going to be on him. I mean you just watch in this in this final he's going to be I'm saying like 40%. Okay.
1: All right. Then may, maybe my one uh data point for you of being Bales, uh, Lord knows what he's doing. Also one of the more contrarian players out there. Maybe he's not the best representative of the sample.
2: Yeah, I doubt Bales will play him no one Bales.
1: <laughs> um all right. So what else did I want to talk about here? So for going about the spy, you know, I did want to show you my lineup last week. It was one of those weeks where, to me, I I had some of these best plays that I wanted to play. I knew I wanted to play Ian Thomas. I knew I wanted to play Michael Thomas. I knew I was going to play Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. So, like, those four, I knew they were going to be um, popular. Well, not Michael Thomas to a huge extent, but I was just like, I'm just going to play these guys. And then I knew I liked the Jets game environment. And so I did the Darnold to Robbie and of course had to bring it back with Laird. And then I just kind of filled out my defense and my third wide receiver slot. And I guess I'm, what I'm asking is would it, would you say that that's a good process of starting with your core plays, maybe finding a stack or an environment and then filling out from there? Or how would you go about it differently?
2: Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, that's that's basically what I do, especially, I'll usually stay pretty tight at running back, especially on DraftKings. Usually there's, Anywhere from like five to seven running backs I really like, and I'll, I'll weight a couple of them really heavily and then just mix them in towards the bottom. You know, one, he, one guy that you had last week that kind of fits the theme of what we're talking about is Michael Thomas. I mean, I, he was super cheap. He was 8.3K. I thought he was a cash game lock, and I was pretty surprised at his ownership. I mean, I think he's just an absolute smash play here at 12%, but people must have just talked themselves out of it because of the matchup. I don't know, but he came in at a lot lower ownership that I wanted on the flip side and I also played um, the three main GPP teams I played one of them was a Darnold stack but I was not happy with where his ownership came in to get him and Robbie Anderson in a combined 30 percent that was one of those spots where this is a team that's been struggling and I think in years past you're getting probably both of them at single digits and, and just the public is onto it and they came in pretty high so um but these are the things it's hard to guess on these things so you know I thought Darnold and, and Robbie would be on, but I thought Michael would be more owned, I would have played a heck of a lot more Michael Thomas if I'd known he was going to come in around 10%,
1: 12%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of it, too, is like, yeah, I, the, I'm probably the same way where it's like, you know, Robbie Anderson isn't the kind of player you want to play when he's super popular, but people are just sharp now. And, you know, as a segue to this week, I mean, this, this Dolphins team has just, the secondary has been really, really poor. And we see just game after game of them getting lit up by two to three options. When you look at the giants this week, cause I'm going to be boots on the ground. I'm at the game. Clearly, I'm going to want some of these guys in my lineup. Um, and I'm going to hope that you can steer me in the right directions. You know, a lot of interesting situations here. Eli second game. Saquon has looked really rough, but this is a great matchup and he's not seeding touches to anyone. Um, without Evan Ingram, you know, Slayton, Shepard and Tate should see a ton of the targets. How are you attacking this Dolphins team if you theoretically wanted to attack them?
2: Yeah, I mean it's tough. I think Barkley, he's going to be right there with Laird as the highest stone running back. I mean, people are basically treating him as a cash game lock, is is what I've come across this week. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but man, Almighty, he's been he's been bad. So I'll be really interested to see where his ownership shakes out compared to Chris Carson. I don't know how the Blitz has him, but. Do you have it up here?
1: Yeah, so for ownership, yeah, we have him as the second highest right behind Carson.
2: Yeah, and you guys have Carson projected for more points. That's interesting. I have Barkley ahead right now, but I do think it's pretty close. Um, That game as a whole, I think, is just going to catch a lot of ownership. So I'm a little bit wary to attack it at all. I think Slayton, you know, he's coming off such a monster game. I think he'll probably get more ownership than Shepard, but Shepard it's tough to say, you know, in a cash game, Shepard's clearly a better play. I've got him about two points ahead, but does he have that upside that Slayton has? I mean, certainly certainly not. Could he get you 100 yards and a touchdown? Probably, and you're sitting in a good spot there. But if these guys all come in in the, like, 15% range, which wouldn't surprise me at all, uh, I would have rather have just stayed away from him.
1: Yeah, I know. I think one of the things I was thinking about, and again, this is just, you know, team, watch the tape, as Adam would say, IKB or whatever, that uh, it seemed like I was ready to go back to Shepard if Daniel Jones was back because he seems to really like relying on him where Eli has no problem chucking it downfield. And then the funny thing is, you could be like, oh, well, they're playing the Eagles secondary, you know, they've been exploitable deep all season, but it's like, well, so have the Dolphins. So, and then I'm looking at DraftKings and he has, um, what is it? An $800 price tag difference, um, on Shepard two 54 down to 4,700. I want to say, yeah. Yeah. So I have myself leaning there. And then the question for me is like, you know, would I want to play say a giants receiver and Saquon together? Or do I want to maybe go at it from a more one-off angle?
2: I think it's okay to play them together, but to do, You know, they have a pretty high team total. It's 25 points. So, yeah, I think that's fine, especially with their prices. Neither of them are, are, are extremely expensive. Yeah. But are people going to be afraid to pair them with Eli? You know, maybe that'll hold their ownership down a little bit just because they don't want to run Eli stacks. But at the same time, I don't know. I I, I was talking to some more casual friends this week, and, and they were talking up Eli and Slayton and all this. You know, it's just like Eli's back. It's the it's the super easy matchup. I don't know. There's It seems – As hilarious as it sounds, it's like Eli's a little bit sexy this week.
1: What would you be – because I'm here looking at our Roto-Grinders ownership. Like uh, what would be your personal say for this type of contest or just in general for uh, Shepard and Slayton? What do you think they'll come in at?
2: I I think Slayton's going to be at like 15%. What do you guys have him at?
1: We have him at 13.7. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: I could see that, but I'd almost take the over just – yeah. That last big game was on it was Sunday night, I believe. So a lot of people were watching it. I, I don't really have a good feeling what Eli's gonna come in. I think it could be anywhere from like five to ten percent. And then yeah. Shepard, I mean Shepard really could come in lower because of the fact he's more expensive. He doesn't necessarily have that big play upside. He hasn't been as good. So Shepard maybe um like eight percent or maybe even maybe even between five and eight, something like that
1: yeah i don't know i'm starting to wonder too uh maybe you fade barkley and you play eli with both Shepard and slayton or something like yeah, that.
2: yeah i mean i think i think barkley is going to be in the like 30 percent plus range yeah.
1: yeah that's uh that's going to be yeah uh, referencing his projection so the the blitz has him as the second uh Highest total raw projected guy right behind McCaffrey, and then you know has him as a top three points per dollar value right up there with Laird and Drake. So he's going to be very popular. Well,
2: and this this is a guy that I don't believe is topped 100 yards from scrimmage. Um, well, certainly not 100 yards rushing. He had just over 100 yards in Week 13. I mean, he he has not been good at all. Eight 8.1, 8.0, 14.5, 9.7. I think it's really fair to ask if he's 100% and there was some talk about it this week and he said that physically he feels 100% but maybe not mentally And I don't know how much that impacts his production but I think there are some reasons for concern it's kind of a similar thing with Odell it's like he just hasn't had the production you have to wonder now that we know that he's got these back issues like how much is that actually hurting him and can you expect him just to go back to being the player that we saw last year for both these guys and I don't know we, we might just have to wait till next season but you know, at least with Odell, I think you're going to catch him at pretty low ownership. And when you're playing, you know, getting Barkley, who's just been complete dust at 30% ownership, I don't love it. But, you know, I, I can see why you'd want to play him too. So I'm, I'm certainly torn on Barkley in tournaments this week.
1: Yeah, and to that point, I think, I assume a lot of us had this happen with Kamara uh, last week where, you know, we were excited to play him in the dome, you know, high projected uh, game, and he just isn't the same. You know, since that injury, and it doesn't really matter, you know, what the situation is, he, you know, he lives and dies by that, you know, short area, lateral agility, and he doesn't have that. So it's like, well, what, what do you have? And you wonder about that with Saquon, it's like, the matchup might be good, but, if, if he's not healthy, it might not matter.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and you really see it with Kamara when Latavius gets the ball and it's clear that he's got more juice right now, which I mean, that should not be the case with how good Kamara has been. And he certainly has run really, really poorly with touchdowns. I know he got stuffed on the one again last week. Not that that would have even really salvaged his terrible, terrible line. But yeah, yeah I, I think it's very clear to say that he's not a hundred percent.
1: What I think there was a, you know, if I do find myself getting off of, if you get off some of these chalky guys in the mid range, like Chris Carson and Barkley, maybe you do, like if you are going down with Laird or whatever, and you get yourself up to Christian McCaffrey, I think there was this narrative heading into last week that, oh, they have nothing to play for, you know, maybe they're going to, you know, wind him down then next thing you know, he's out there in garbage time catching passes do you think that narrative has been put to bed or is there still maybe some lingering risk uh, surrounded with paying these kind of prices for Christian McCaffrey?
2: So the thing to keep in mind, of Christian McCaffrey is he has a chance to set the all time yardage record. So I do think that they're keeping that in mind. I think they're going to let him go for it. It's becoming a little bit of a long shot. Uh, he's got to have some pretty big weeks to close here to get it. Uh, and even if he doesn't get it, he could still get the thousand thousand, which is pretty cool. But I think he needs about a hundred yards receiving each of the final three weeks but I do think there's enough there that will tilt them to leaving him on the field. And you should pay attention to these things. I remember in last, uh, I don't know if it was week 17 or week 16, must've been week 17. Kittle was chasing the tight end record, you know, and they clearly went out of their way to get it for him. So teams do pay attention to these things, especially if they're really big records Um, and when they don't have anything else to play for, that's kind of a big deal. So I, I think I feel pretty comfortable with his workload you know his production has gone down a little bit so I'm wondering if just with all the touches that he's had is he wearing down you know maybe a little bit but he's got such a high floor in the receiving game and you know last week he ended up with 25 DraftKings points it was not a very good game he got tackled on the one twice so he could have had an extra 12 points pretty easily there one of them got vultured by a Kyle Allen rush TD so yeah I'm I'm a little bit torn on on how I'm going to handle McCaffrey this week just because there are a lot of good options. And a lot of times when you're looking at these decisions, it's, okay, what's the opportunity cost? What are the other available plays at running back? And there's some good ones, you know, for sure. With Barkley, Carson, Gurley, those kind of stand out. And then the one guy in that range too, that I think is going to catch basically no ownership, who's had the huge workload and has been really up and down, been more down of late is Leonard Fournette. I don't think anyone's going to play him this week with Barkley and Carson basically priced exactly the same. So that, that's an interesting play to me in terms, but it makes me a little uneasy with how bad the Jags have been. It's like a historic run there on here
1: now, three, four weeks of just getting completely smashed every week. Yeah, do you think it's a little target boost for Fournette with Chark ruled out?
2: I mean, maybe. I, you'd think really it's probably just a downgrade of the entire offense, yeah. which is not good with how bad they've been. But the NFL is fluky. Weird things happen week to week. And you would think this team – should bounce back. I don't know. Maybe they have just all quit at this point. Certainly their defense has. So if they get buried early again, I don't know if Oakland's really capable of burying them early. If they do, you know, maybe maybe it just kind of throws the whole game off and nothing really happens. So yeah. I don't know. But if, if he comes in at like 5%, which is kind of what I expect, he's a good play with the workload he's getting.
1: Yeah, and I think I was when I was watching your review this week. Um, one of the interesting things going back to McCaffrey about there were some teams, even in cash, you were showing that faded McCaffrey so they could jam in those three really good wide receivers Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and I think was Julian Edelman the third one in a lot of those? Yep, yep. So, and I feel like you, there's some interesting ways you could even do that again this week. DeAndre's a great play again. Obviously uh, Godwin is going to be very popular. And then you could pick your favorite of like a Landry or Galladay or something as well. Yeah, for sure.
2: I definitely don't think McCaffrey's a must play this week. You know, there was, there was a stretch, especially when he was around nine K and hadn't got even nine five. And and just with what he was doing, he was a must play. I don't think he's a must play now with, with his price. I was kind of just, hasn't been as good the last couple of weeks and then just all the other good options around him and then yeah I mean you want DeAndre Hopkins like just smash play if, if Fuller's out again like it's a little bit of a downgrade in the whole offense but you know you just see how many targets he can get so absolutely love him uh this week and, and some of the other guys you mentioned as well I mean Edelman he's doing it every single week and he's just nobody really plays him all that much so yeah uh, he's got such a high floor it's like he, he feels like a lock for 790 and and then he's, you know, getting the 100-yard bonus slot, scoring a touchdown or two or throwing a touchdown, you know. So I love Edelman.
1: Yeah, and they got the, they got the footage. He knows where to find the soft spot in the Bengals' defense. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all good. Let's check on the chat real quick, and then we'll transition to making our lineup. Kyle Murray says, am I seeing double? You guys are twins. And uh, the only thing double about Andrew and I is we're both going to win a cool million this week, right? You'll all win the Millie Maker, and That's you're, right. you're going to come in second because you don't play Patrick Laird, right? Is that the plan? Yeah, yeah,
2: we, we got the lovely blonde hair that's thinning for both of us. So, yeah, you know, seriously. we had a good run.
1: <laughs> it is, I know. Holding on for dear life here. Why do you think I keep wearing this hat? Um, someone else had wanted us to talk about the Titans. We, I'm sure we'll talk about them a little bit as we build our lineup. I think maybe that game is just a little less interesting to talk about because maybe the plays just seem so obvious and they're going to be popular. But we will, we will talk about it. So, Andrew, what I like to do here – it's just ping back and forth, building a, a lineup swole cast style. And you know, we'll try to build off of each other's uh picks, try to get not the sloppy swole cast style where we're throwing true shit against the wall. This will be correlated and very well thought out. And as my guest, I'd like to give you the first pick. You you're more than welcome to open up with a stack, maybe your favorite one-off player, whatever floats your boat.
2: Oh um, man. I don't even know. Can I, can I default the pick to you? I want, I want yeah. you to get the ship steered in the right direction. And we'll yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I mean, there's the, there's the free square. There's the Patrick Laird free square. So he comes default in all of my lineups. Yes, of course. Um, I assume that much, but then here, then I'll bring it back on the other side. I, uh, I kind of like your call of, I think Shepard's going to fly under the radar. I think he's an equally good play to Slayton. Um, Definitely, I think we agree higher floor and could have a similar ceiling. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put Shepard in here because I've been thinking about these two, um, Laird and Shepard is just a nice little smaller game correlation.
2: I mean, let's go with Eli. I, I think Eli is gonna be a pretty decent tournament play. I just I don't know. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if he comes in too high, but at the same time, it's Eli and it's such a good setup here that it, it, it can't it can't be too bad for five point two K. So that'll give us some money to spend elsewhere. Let's go with Eli.
1: Okay. And then let's, let's talk, actually take a quick pause and talk through this situation. Cause this is oftentimes a scenario I come in with the spy where, you know, if you're playing the Millie Maker, you can just say, all right, I'm going to game stack it. I'm going to throw Slayton in here. Gusecki, let's just do it all up. But then I try to pull myself back. Some people have called me skinny, skinny stack Pete at times. What is your instinct here? Is it to jam in Slayton and Barkley with Eli or is it to be like, let's go somewhere else and we can just have a, a simple uh, QB wide receiver stack here?
2: No, I think this is a fine spot just to turn and look at other games, especially since we've we've locked in a bunch of cheap guys. Now we can go and get a bunch of studs. So I kind of like getting away from the game. But mm-hmm. I mean, you can go either
1: way. Yeah. Um Okay, let's um. So there is one guy that someone had wanted us to talk about. This is a guy that I've been putting in a lot of my lineups. He is popping in the blitz. That and it's also a team I have just targeted repeatedly. Two weeks ago, I played Bobby Woods against the uh, the Cardinals. That worked out swimmingly. Last week, I played Deontay Johnson at like three point four percent ownership against the Cardinals. That worked out. I want to go back. To that, well, with Jarvis Landry, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I like it. I'm a little concerned he's going to catch a bunch of ownership. He's, he's getting projected pretty high ownership that I'm seeing. What do you guys have him at 16 percent? Yeah, I mean, that's not like awful, but it's not great. And that's why I, pref- I mean, what do you have Odell at? I feel like Odell is going to come in two, three, four percent, yeah. which is kind of crazy.
1: I know it is. Yeah, we got him at 10, which is if it's. Yeah. it's that close then you go Landry right
2: yeah yeah but it won't be that close I mean I played a bunch of Odell last week in in an equally soft matchup probably a better matchup because it was at home and he was like five percent in most stuff and then he was terrible so anyone that played him last week it's like do you really want to go back to that and it's just all the narrative about being hurt and now he's basically the same price as Landry this is Landry's team now blah 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 I think Odell is, is a better tournament play but Maybe Odell's just complete dust now, and it really is Landry's team. So I can see arguments both Um,
1: ways. One other nice thing, too, I guess you can hang your hat on is, you know, the games where the Cleveland offense really has gotten going. I I have that Miami game in my head where Odell had the long touchdown uh, and Landry still got in the box twice, too. So there are paths where they both can can hit as well. I don't think it's necessarily the Evans and Godwin situation.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we could always do like a double – do a different stack and do like Odell Landry and then Kenyon Drake type of thing. But
1: I kind of want (laughs) to do this because I can tell you like Odell. I think we should do this. Let's do it. Pivot. Here we go. Odell. And then yeah, make your case for Baker because I feel like he's a guy, obviously the matchup's good. You know, he's burned people a lot this year. The offense has looked rough. Uh, What are your thoughts on him?
2: Yeah. I mean, really I think it's just mostly an ownership play on on him and Odell and you, you just, You'd think Odell still has the ability to take, like, a long slant to the house. I don't know. Um, but there's injury concerns there as well with Baker. You know, he hurt his hand a couple weeks ago. Last week, he, he didn't throw the ball a lot. They, they haven't shown the desire to throw the ball out, You know, and they won that last game, but it was tied and close for a lot of games. It's not like it was a blowout. And he only threw it 24 times, and then he only completed 11 of those. So that's not great on the two fronts. One, the volume, and two, the completions. And you just wonder – you know, he hurt his hand two or three weeks ago. Like, is, is that lingering uh, as far as his accuracy goes? So I don't think people are going to play him. I mean, he's pretty expensive. He's 6.4K. But, I mean, we, it's just we know what they're capable of or we, we think we know what they're capable of. So I, I think he's a fine play unless, yeah. you know, people get on him and, and his ownership creeps up towards ten. But I, I just don't think that's going to happen this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think about one of the only concerns I had was just reading what Thorman was saying just about how Arizona and Cleveland have both been playing so slow of late and just wondering if this game is going to be able to support enough offense for a, a game stack.
2: No, I, I read that too. I actually read that this morning. Gave me some pause. I mean, basically what he's saying is Arizona was one of the fastest teams for the first half of the season, and they've been slowing down pretty much every week. Uh, and then up until last week, they were still allowing a lot of plays for their opponent. But last week, the Steelers only got off 57 snaps, uh, which is down considerably to what, you know, we were seeing games where there's 80 snaps The the overtime game, I think got into the nineties. Uh, so there's some crazy stuff going on early in the year. And yeah, Thorman, we, we do an article establish a run that Pat Thorman does, and he does a great job on just looking at all these situations and trying to understand what games maybe could have a ton of snaps played. And so this one, there is some reason for concern. We know that, you know, just like what I was just talking about, that Cleveland probably prefers to run the ball. And I could see Arizona maybe just leaning on the run here too. So it, it could be a low-scoring affair with a lot of running, and that is a concern. But, you know, you got to take these risks sometimes, and, and it could also go the other way. And if the ownership's low and, you know, maybe Odell takes a long run in the house early and just kind of gets to this back and forth, I mean, that's what you're looking for. It's not necessarily the most likely outcome, but it's certainly within the range of outcomes here.
1: Yeah, and so now that we have this Cleveland stack, I think we would probably both agree we need at least one Cardinal uh, coming back. Both Kenyon Drake and Christian Kirk are looking good in the projections I've seen. Uh, Where would you lean here uh, with one of those guys?
2: I like them both. I mean, I I would probably go Drake just because, you know, I think maybe what we're hoping here is that Arizona gets off to a big lead and that's kind of Drake's game from there. And then you've got... Cleveland on the other side, just throwing the ball a bunch, trying to get back into it. That, that would probably be the ideal outcome. And I really think Drake's ownership is going to come in quite low. You know, Johnson did get in last week and score a touchdown, but it was pretty late and they were down a decent amount. I, I wouldn't call it garbage time, but it still seems to me that if the game is competitive, I think Drake's a the guy there. I mean, David Johnson just hasn't looked good. So to me, Drake's a guy, you know, I, I think that he's probably due for a big game and we've seen it already in Arizona. And he should come in like five percent ownership, so it's a good play for five k.
1: Yeah, and I like how it sets up to kind of attack these teams' weaknesses, where Arizona has been so leaky in the secondary, and uh, and Drake kind of getting going on the ground. I can't. I'm not allowed to say funnel because uh, I get in trouble because there's there's a big disagreement about whether funnel defenses ex- exist. Um, I just noticed something on YouTube, guys. I looked, and there's only 13 likes on this video, which is honestly shameful. And I will hold this lineup hostage. I will let Andrew go. I'm not going to waste his time. I will hold this lineup hostage, and we will not finish it unless you all hit the like button right now. Because I swear to God, if in five minutes it's not up to 100 likes, I'll never do another show for you guys again. Andrew, do you want to threaten our our listeners as well? This is, you're a true pro, man. I don't know.
2: 13 is... I, I, some people think it's an unlucky number. I think it's a lucky number. I like thirteen. Okay, So all go right. Free to 13,
1: guys. Um, okay. My apologies I,
2: to Cal and the rotor grinder staff.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. They, uh, hey, you're you're now a you're now a company man. So I, I get it. I get it. Um, all right. I I think at tight end, where are you leaning? Because the I've just been kind of playing at tight end lately, just kind of one off, play the best plays, points per projection. Pay down. I like Higby. I like Ian Thomas. I like Gusecki. Any of those guys jumping out for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty far off the board already. So I'm totally fine going reasonably chalky here. And I think the best plays are really hurts Higby, and now Ian Thomas, now that Craig Olson got ruled out this morning. So Ian Thomas is looking real, real good. He had huge owner or huge um, target share last week. So uh, man, I don't know. Let's see. How much money do we have? Can we fit Ertz? I mean, we can fit Ertz pretty easily here, right? Let's,
1: yeah. Let's I, okay. So we got Ertz and then let's just put in like a placeholder defense, like the, um, I don't know what, like the lions or something. Yeah. I mean, lions, lions are going to be pretty heavily owned, but they're a good play. I just wanted to see how much, so if we do that, we have yeah. 7,300, okay. um, which, um, yeah. So like just thinking about this from a correlation standpoint, you know, we got the Shepherd Laird, we got the game stack, Cleveland, Arizona, we have a one-off tight end and we have enough money here to get, um, another solid player where obviously it probably isn't going to be necessarily correlated. What, what's your thought process here when you're looking to fill out a roster and, and you can get a, a decently priced guy here?
2: Yeah, I don't think it needs to be correlated at all. I'm just kind of looking at the guys in this range. I mean, if, if we went Gurley there, who I think is a real nice play this week, he'll be on, but that's okay. Um, yeah. What does that leave us for defense?
1: Gurley leaves us 3,600, which is – Yeah, so then we can get up to one of these good defense. Like,
2: I would say the Chiefs at yeah. 5,500 look pretty good.
1: Yeah, I like that. And um, I think one thing I've also enjoyed talking about on the show this year and – I've, only, I've used it a couple times, once successfully, uh, once uh, horribly when I swapped off of Wilson and Lockett on their explosion week. But you put Gurley in the flex here. Gurley, we are projecting to be fairly popular at 24.5%. Um, say that this lineup, our, our stack doesn't pop off, and we need to swap off a Gurley here who would be maybe kind of a bigger leverage dart throw you would swap off of him to with knowing we have about 6,100 here? Uh, Let's see. Cause AJ Brown's going to be popular or he'll have already played. Oops.
2: Assuming Jordan Howard is out, which it looks that way. I think Miles Sanders is pretty interesting. I don't think anyone's going to play him. You know, had that whole Boston Scott thing not occurred, I think Miles Sanders would have been pretty chalky, but now people are a little bit afraid of it. And I think for good reason. But it wouldn't shock me. It's just Miles Sanders' backfield yet again, and it's a good matchup. So he's he's looking like a pretty tasty play in that range.
1: Yeah, no, I like that too. I think everyone just has the the E bo- Even I went to bed before that game finished. I just woke up. I assume Miles Sanders, you know, was going to be out, and it seems like he's he's been a full practice this week, right? Yeah, I think he's fine. It was just, I think it was just dehydration yeah. last week. And the nice thing about Miles Sanders, I feel like it's been happening uh, a bit with Devin Singletary as well, where their role just keeps growing. And then we also feel good about them as prospects of just being explosive guys that can catch passes and break off big plays. So uh, Miles Sanders in a really plum matchup there seems like he would be a great pivot uh, if you were worried about Gurley. So, yeah, I'm looking at this lineup. I don't know if I have the stones to roll something out like this fully in the spy with the, there's a couple guys. I I think you're maybe a little higher on Odell there than I am. I liked, I hadn't even really been thinking about Ertz just because I was thinking about paying down, but um, that kind of seems like a nice little thing if you pivoted there to have Ertz and Sanders kind of attacking this, this Redskins team.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ertz is probably going to be, you guys got to, I just noticed it. I got to get this. This plugin installed on my browser because that's pretty nice. And I, I see that Ertz is seventeen point eight percent, so that's pretty high for a tight end. Usually, I try and get a little bit off the board of tight ends just because they can fail so easily. But Ertz is—I mean, I think you got to project him for like ten targets here. So it's a yeah. little bit of an outlier situation as far as the tight end position goes. I think he's quite safe. I mean, they're just so so banged up at receiver, and clearly they like throwing to Ertz. So. Uh, you know another guy that I like a lot in terms this week is Dallas Dallas Goddard. I don't mm. think people are going to play him, and you know obviously if he scores a touchdown, that means Earth isn't isn't scoring it. And he's just a little bit of a forgotten man after that hot start he had. Uh, but I think they're going to lean on him play a lot of two tight end sets. So he's he's a guy that if you're playing you know 150, I would definitely have some exposure to maybe not in single entry, but I don't I don't think he's too thin for single entry stuff either.
1: Yeah, I mean with how banged up they are at wide receiver, I mean they're going to have to have to use him. So I like that. Um, Also, your check's in the mail for referencing the Roto-Grinders Chrome extension. If you get RG Premium, they have Chrome extensions for both FanDuel and DraftKings. Hope you guys are listening and give Andrew and I both nice Christmas bonuses. Uh, One game uh, before I let you go, even though we filled out our lineup with some options, everyone is begging us to talk about the Titans and Texans. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? It's going to be very popular, very chalky, uh, but people love them some Derrick Henry. They love them some A.J. Brown. They love them some Watson to Hopkins. It, are you going off the board if you target this game?
2: Well, I mean, people didn't love A.J. Brown last week, and that was that was what got me True. my seat into the final was A.J. Brown was like 3 or 4% owned or something. I just had him all over the place, so that was great. I do think people are going to love him this week. You know, it's a crazy spot. It's like Tannehill is – pretty close in price to some of these studs and projected right around there. And it's probably accurate. You know, Derrick Henry's a little bit banged up. I think he's probably going to go, but maybe they throw the ball a little bit more and the Houston defense stinks. They got a super high team total of 27. They're at home. There's a lot of things in their favor. I think the ownership's going to come in too high for me to really be interested in any of them in tournaments. Hmm. But I can understand if you want to go there. But however, if you're going to play them, I think the clear play – wide receiver and I don't think it's particularly close is Corey Davis. I don't think people are going to play him. He's been absolute garbage. His price is extremely cheap at 3.8 K. What is? a, I'm trying to find AJ Brown. AJ Brown is 6,000. So yeah, if you're going to go there, I would play Corey Davis for sure. He's going to come in at like somewhere between like two and 5%. He's capable of big games. We've seen it at times in the past. So, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is his week.
1: Yeah. And uh, soccer day boots on the ground. He was caping up for a double stack with both Corey and AJ and just make sure you get, you get all those points. But yeah, I mean, I love AJ Brown. He's so fun to watch. He's so explosive, but at that target share, I just feel like you're begging to get burned uh, on three or four targets at that ownership.
2: Well, I mean, he went for like 30 last week and he caught a 90 yard touchdown, which basically locked in the bonus. And then he caught another touchdown on a short play that was, had been the, – the previous play had been a touchdown to someone else, and they called it back on something that was, I think, kind of iffy, if I recall. So it's like you take away those two plays, and he totally duds out. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and I know the week prior to that, he had a big game on, like, five targets. So he's going to have a dud here. Uh, not, not necessarily this weekend, but, you know, at some point, he's not going to keep scoring 90-yard touchdowns. And, and maybe right. Corey Davis is the guy that benefits from that. I don't. I mean, Davis, I think, is still a pretty, pretty talented guy. And he's capable of scoring touchdowns. So it seems like a really, really obvious pivot to me in tournaments. And you could play them both for sure. Um, and I had a lot of both of them last week, which sucked. I actually had more Corey Davis. Uh, he, was, he was cheaper of the two last week as well. It was a little bit closer. And, yeah, he kind of sank some lineups because he only scored like three or four points.
1: Yeah, I heard you say that. You ran out 150 uh, Tannehill lineups just a little too much, uh, Corey, though. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Hey,
1: but what you can do you- what are you going to do? Um, what, one other quick thing on the other side, how do you handle the, the fuller situation? It sounds like he's going to be a game time decision. You know, it it goes both ways because you worry about those hamstrings and the aggravation. On the other hand, if he is a game time decision and he's active hardly anyone's going to play him. Uh, how do you approach those situations?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I don't necessarily 150 every week. I, I only do it if I see spots that I think are good and uh, like I have some type of angle I can attack. And the reason I signed up for 150 laps last week was because I thought Will Fuller was at angle. And well, that whole team, Deshaun Watson was the highest projected quarterback last week and he was going to be owned, but I didn't think any of his pass catchers were going to be owned. You know, you, Will Fuller definitely wasn't going to be on because he was this game time decision and he was being projected as a great play. If, if he was healthy, he would have been a great play. I thought it was a spot where maybe some targets could get shaded to him because of the shadow situation on Hopkins last week with Chris Harris. Uh, but then once Will Fuller was ruled out, well, now all of a sudden Hopkins turns into chalk, and it's just my whole plan was blown up. But I really did like it prior to that. And so maybe you could do the same thing this week. I don't think Fuller's going to play, actually. And I think if he does play, he might be limited. And, and that was my main concern last week is, like, what if he's active, but he just doesn't play that much? Um, yeah. After watching it play out and seeing where they're at in the standings and everything, I just think that that's more of a risk right now that if he does play, he's just not out there a ton. So I would be very careful with him. But you could certainly sprinkle him in. He's a guy that we know is capable of monster, monster games.
1: Yeah. And I think it's more so even just like a process note of, you know, everyone was using that DeAndre Washington example. It was the late game, you know, Jacobs gets scratched and no one was playing either uh, Jalen Richard or DeAndre Washington. So trying to stay flexible on Sundays and not because that's one of the traps I fall into. I make these dummy builds. And then I fall in love with the dummy build and I don't want to swap in a Kenny Stills, even if that didn't work out, or I don't want to swap in a DeAndre Washington because I just like how it looks and it starts to feel comfortable. How do you fight through, you know, doing research, having dummy lineups, but not falling in love with them?
2: Well, you know, it, it, it can be tough for sure, but you know, last week, one of the things when I, so when I got off of the Watson stack, then I was basically debating between Darnold and Tannehill and the reason two reasons I went to inhale one I was a little bit more worried about the ownership coming in high on Darnold and two it gave me the ability if I did 150 of those lineups I think I played about 20 percent Josh Jacobs and it just gave me a lot that meant that I had a lot of people from those games I was playing a lot of Waller all the receivers John who everything and it gave me the ability to move things around and get those other running backs in if Jacobs didn't go and if Jacobs did go he was going to be a super low on guy too so that was another part of the process like look this is going to give me more flexibility in these games uh, than my opponents will probably have now I say that and I ended up playing like 25 percent Jalen and I played Jalen on my high stakes stuff and I only had 10 percent DeAndre so that was a really frustrating situation but either way I think what I did you know it, it was a winning long term move so I'm, I'm happy that I had that flexibility the results weren't really what I was hoping for
1: all right, well, we are going to send you on your way. Thank you so much for swinging by. Andrew's had an extremely busy content week, getting ready for FFWC. He's got uh, his show on ETR tonight with Adam and Evan. Anything else you would like to plug? Uh, you're my fellow brother in lineup reviews on Monday. Although I will say, Andrew, I just a, a tip, because I love watching him. but one thing I do, that I think people would enjoy for yours is if you record your thoughts, you don't have to release them before, but record your thoughts before lineup lock. And then, so I, I do my, that, and then I stitch it together with my after and it, well, there's two things. It's entertainment for people because it's like, Oh no, he said he was going to be on this play and it obviously whiffed. but on the other hand, not saying that you fall into a revisionist history or anything, but it's just nice to see like, what were my thoughts before lock and after the games?
2: I love it. I love it. I think uh, I will work to incorporate that.
1: Yeah, I I, I send Adam a lot of my thoughts on how to improve his site. And uh, I hadn't sent him that one yet, but I figure I would just tell you right here. But uh, we will we will be rooting for you uh, in the FFWC. And I hope tonight um, you wake up in a cold sweat and realize that you have to have Patrick Laird in your lineup. Yes, sir. All right, guys, uh, that is it for us. Don't forget about the free roll, free lineup HQ. Smash the subscribe, join the listener league, put Patrick Laird in your lineup, all that good stuff. We will see you in week 16.